A few weeks ago, a friend of mine recommended a book, Ultra Processed People. I got it on Audible and I listened in a few days. It's about 11 hours long, but I was hooked. It was so eye-opening and so relatable. Many of the things that he talks about in this book, I'd heard about them before, but not in a way that made me change anything too drastic. For a long time now, I've been avoiding things like uh, seed oils and some other ingredients. But this book put it to me in a way that no one else had. The following episode is not a review of the book, but it's the core message that I took from the book. There is a lot more to it than this little episode, so I hope that you'll take the time to read the book for yourself. It's most definitely worth your time especially as a parent, and how these things affect our kids. Welcome to Mom 2.0. Hi, and welcome to Mom 2.0, where it's all about restoring your energy to become your best self. I'm your host, Vicky Hopperland. Let's get started. On May 1st, 2023, a light aircraft crashed in Colombia's Amazon jungle. On board were two pilots, a mother and her four children, aged 13, 9, 4 and 1. The crash killed the two pilots and, and the mother, who were all found at the crash site, but none of the children. Forty days after the crash the rescue team finally located the children, alive, in the Amazon jungle. Thirteen, nine, four, and one. That's how old they are. The grandmother said that the 13-year-old is used to taking care of her siblings while her mother is at work. And I should also mention here that they are part of an indigenous group. They are far more in touch with nature and food sources than most of us in the Western world. They knew what they could eat and what to steer clear of. They also had survival skills to be able to survive for 40 days in the Amazon jungle with snakes, jaguars and whatever else. So why am I telling you this story? What could the survival of four indigenous children have to do with a health podcast for mothers? In our Western culture, It has become accepted for us to follow nutrition guidelines outlined by governments. Most of the guidelines are bare minimums, and a large portion of guidelines are misleading. Recently, there was a lot of controversy surrounding a nutrition profiling system that came from researchers at Tufts University in Boston, which claimed that things like Lucky Charms and Cheerios are healthier breakfast options than eggs. These researchers were aiming to give people a way to determine what food is healthy and not, and therefore what they should eat. But why are we outsourcing this task anyways? By that I mean, why are we letting other people, especially governments, tell us what we should and shouldn't eat? Especially when most of the foods that are being recommended aren't even technically foods anymore, because they have been so processed that our bodies don't recognize them anymore. 
So back to my story about the children who survived 40 days on their own in the Amazon jungle. Those kids at their young age have such good knowledge of local foods and sources of nutrients that they were able to survive. They're in touch with their senses and they know how to discern if something is edible or not. Most westernized populations warn their children not to touch anything in the wild as it may kill them. Better safe than sorry. And that's right. I would say that better safe than sorry is a great strategy. I am not suggesting that anyone without knowledge of edible wild plants takes their family out foraging this weekend. I'm just trying to point out how far removed we are from nature, that we don't even trust our bodies enough to tell us what to eat, and we instead outsource that information to governments, dietitians, and doctors. We seem to think that we need other people and regulatory systems to tell us what we can and can't eat, yet we are designed in a wonderful and complex way to be able to do this for ourselves. We've just lost touch with that. We don't need a box to tell us how healthy it is for us. And in most cases, if not all, the box is wrong. It may have the desired nutrient profile, and it may also have a bunch of added vitamins, but when those things have been removed from the food they were originally in, they're not going to have the same effect on your body as if you had eaten them in their original form. Our senses are there to guide us. And we know, for instance, that we can get vitamin C from an orange. Marketing companies and food scientists know that if they add orange flavor to a product and then put in big letters on the box, high in vitamin C, this confuses our bodies into thinking that we are going to get vitamin C from that product and therefore that it is good for us. But in fact, it's not the vitamin C in isolation that we need, but all the nutrients of an orange working in harmony to deliver a nutritious snack. A lot of the time, we think of cravings as a bad thing, mostly because we don't often have cravings for broccoli, but rather for things like french fries. But food cravings are part of this wonderful system designed to get you to eat the correct amounts of nutrients. But for most of us, our cravings have been hijacked by the ultra-processed food-like substances. And so we can't really trust those cravings anymore. In this book, Ultra Processed People, the author tells a story about Clara Davis. In 1939, Clara conducted a study whereby she took infants who were newly weaned from breast milk and instead of feeding them recommended foods, they laid out a variety of food for them. I think it was 33 different types of foods. The nurses were instructed to just sit and wait until the child motioned for a particular food. There were no portion controls given either. The children had free range on the available foods. And after the study was completed, there was no uniform pattern of eating amongst the children. They all ate according to their body's needs. And by the end of it, even though some had come in severely undernourished, all 15 of them were healthy children. There is more to it than that, and I will link to both the book and this particular study in the show notes. But the bottom line is this. It seems that Clara Davis was cor correct in her thinking. We instinctively know what foods we need, if 
Our signals and our systems are all working correctly, that is. More than this, her study proved that there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all healthy diet. There were no consistent patterns with the 15 children. They all ate according to their own needs, and they all turned out healthy. Her study came about because at the time, there was another physician who estimated that between 50 and 90% of pediatrician visits were mothers who were frantic about their children refusing to eat. Before this time, there was no such thing as toddler food. After weaning, you just ate what your parents ate. But then doctors got involved, and they decided they needed to tell parents what foods were suitable for children, and then children started refusing to eat. I expect that this next part is going to touch some nerves with some people, and I'm okay with that. I am far from perfect with mine and my family's nutrition, but the more I learn, the better I get, because I know how important nutrition is for overall health and brain development. I also know that the habits we help our children build while they are young will follow them the rest of their lives. I don't know one adult who isn't trying in some way to cut down on their junk food intake or get healthier, yet we are so quick to offer this food to our kids because it makes them feel good or because it makes us feel good to see them happy eating. None of us wants to harm our children and we're all doing the best we know how. JJ Virgin says, if you knew better, you'd do better. And that's all I'm aiming to do with this podcast, is bring awareness to the issue, and then you decide how you use that information. My aim is not to judge or shame you for whatever choices you make, but I want you to be the one making the choice, not marketing companies and big food who definitely do not care about your health. So, with that said... If you're currently one of those parents whose child refuses to eat anything nutritious, you're not to blame and you are definitely not alone. But there are things that you can do to improve on this. I'm not suggesting that you prepare a buffet each day for your child to pick and choose from. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) Instead, try this. Serve your child exactly what you eat, obviously not if it's spicy, And don't leave things off the plate because they don't like them or they haven't liked them in the past. And definitely do not cook special food because you know that they won't eat this food. One week, my five-year-old will eat all the broccoli in the house and the next week won't touch it and calls it yucky. I try not to comment on her eating and I try not to coax her into eating. We have this rule in our house that if you're not hungry, you don't have to eat. But you do need to sit at the table with everyone while we eat. And eight times out of ten, whichever one claimed they weren't hungry or that the food was yucky, they started eating about five minutes in. Another way is to get them involved in the meal process. That way they feel a part of it and they're more likely to eat something that they had a hand in preparing or choosing. One of the best feelings for a parent is to see their kids eating. I get that. But do you want them mindlessly eating food that is designed to bypass their hunger hormones? Or do you want them to be getting nutrients from food? It might be tough at first, but they'll come around. One of the safest and tamest ways to do this is to always have a safe food on the plate so that they don't get too much of a shock. Also remember 
that they may not like something today, but tomorrow they like it. There have even been studies showing that I think it's 14 14 or 18 days of exposure to a vegetable or previously disliked food um, increase their acceptance of this food. That means that after 14 days of being served the vegetable again and again and again and asking the child to try it, they no longer disliked it and they would eat it. This will make your life so much easier in the long run. Ultra-processed foods are convenient and delicious, and in most cases, they're a lot cheaper than real food. But what is the ultimate cost on our health? Are we saving money on food today, only to spend it on hospital stays and other treatments down the line? I want to leave you with a little shift in perspective. Instead of thinking in terms of food that is good or bad, use these categories. You have food, and on the other side you have food-like substances, the latter being ultra-processed food. I want to say again that this is in no way meant to make you feel shame or guilt about your own or your family's food choices, but rather just to raise awareness of the issue and empower you to make informed decisions for yourself and for your family. If this episode has sparked your interest in the subject, I hope you'll take the time to read the book. Like I said, the link's in the show notes. Okay, that's it for today. I'll be back next Thursday with a new episode. Have a great weekend, everyone. I hope you got a lot of value out of that episode. Please feel free to share it with someone you think it may help. And if you enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate you taking the time to leave me a rating and review. It would really help the show. All right, have a great day and don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already.